first it was 5G. Then when COVID came, it was uh, different falsehoods, including that COVID doesn't exist. There were also stories suggesting that 5G is uh, causing what we call COVID and things like that. So we see that uh, local disinformation actors really adapted what was trending uh, overseas. Hi, listeners. Welcome to The Inoculation. My name is Eva Van Tabor. My name is Daiva Repechkaite. Russia's ongoing aggression against Ukraine has brought a lot of attention to information warfare. So we thought we'll bring you our conversation with Nika Alekseyeva, who is a data journalism trainer and lead researcher for the Baltics at the Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab. We talked to her in December last year. Nika is based in Latvia. As we mentioned in our previous episode, we have built a custom Twitter scraper to analyze how politicians interact with anti-vaccine disinformation. We currently have data on Latvia's members of the European Parliament. And when we look at the tweets and the engagement they get, we see that the most popular original tweet that has to do with vaccine by Latvian members of the European Parliament is a sarcastic post by Nils Ushakovs. And it translates to something like this. Given how effectively our government is fighting COVID and how well it communicates with the public, it seems that the only realistic plan for vaccination will be to mix the vaccine with memory water." End of quote. Memory water is one of those unproven so-called treatments that were on offer. You can read more about it in the show notes. The Baltic states are considered successful in countering Russia's disinformation in international politics. On the other hand, they struggled with disinformation on vaccines and COVID-19. So let's hear what Nika had to say about this. Anti-vax activities started to take place probably earlier, but we can pinpoint it uh, in December of uh, 2018 when the biggest and most influential uh, Facebook page slash NGO that promoted anti-vax ideas uh, was established. Because, of course, we had groups uh, of people, pages, um, other assets online that were spreading disinformation and conspiracy theories. Uh, we monitored them closely, but then they pivoted to also anti-vax sentiment. But uh, it's very intertwined with uh, other narratives. For instance, if you take a look at QAnon, you can see how it grew from uh, one conspiracy theory branch called Pizzagate that was created before uh, U.S. presidential elections. And then it really kind of morphed and also uh, got merged with other conspiracy theory ideas, including the New World Order and things like that. The same happened with um, activities of local um, disinformation actors. Uh, They really tapped into these international uh, topics. First, it was 5G. Then when COVID came, it was uh, different falsehoods, including that COVID doesn't exist. There were also stories suggesting that 5G is uh, causing what we call COVID and things like that. So we see that uh, local disinformation actors really adapted what was trending overseas. Uh, And here I mostly talk about uh, 
English language space uh, where these conspiracies and falsehoods were circulating and Russian information space to a lesser extent because, well, of course, in, in Latvia, many speak Russian and uh, th- that content can be easily adapted as well. And uh, probably the first story about vaccines was that uh, Bill Gates uh, allegedly suggested that um, RNA vaccines will change human DNA, which he never said. Nevertheless, this claim was attributed to him. Uh, and it happened uh, briefly after pandemic broke, like in May. Uh, well, briefly, relatively briefly to now. I mean, like in May 2020. Uh, but then it was mostly silent and wasn't kind of in, in the agenda of disinformation outlets. But then when we realize that vaccines are here, almost here, and then that in late December, early January, they will already be available for more general public. Then we also saw that um, disinformation actors are also obviously reporting about it. So uh, they are also following the news cycle. They are tapping into what may uh, concern their readership. And their readership is usually people who are prone to simplistic explanation of complicated things, because when pandemics come, it's invisible enemy. Uh, Also, economical situation changes due to various restrictions. You can't go maybe um, to party, to bars. Uh, You can't travel that freely. So it all confuses people. And they are dissatisfied, so they seek explanation for their personal situation, also general situation. And these conspiracy theories and also simplified falsehoods and manipulative messages about true news uh, could provide that satisfaction of, oh, now I know what's happening. Now I know who to blame. And that really sucks people in because that feeling that, oh, now I know, it's very satisfying. And this is part of how human being is built. Uncertainty is dangerous. Uncertainty provides us feeling of safety. But do we know what was the motivation for all these people and businesses and politicians to start spreading these falsehoods? The way I understood Nika, it was not always the belief that vaccines don't work. Some people were clearly just motivated by um, greed or other interests. So let's listen what she had to say. So there are uh, disinformation actors who are seeking some political influence, but the politicians who are running for elections and are really having political parties, they're leaders of them, are more like piggybacking on already made uh, disinformation claims or rather the essence of those. So they don't really repeat the same falsehoods that could be fact-checked, but they mostly repeat uh, underlying ideas as, yeah, like censorship or freedom of uh, whatever assembly and, and, and other things that are limited due to COVID situation. Then there are um, disinformation actors who have historically expressed interest in going into politics, but more on political fringes. So I see them still more as activists. They have their political perspective, also in some cases ideology, that they also project through their, oh, will this information work? And uh, it's especially when uh, these authors are spreading not just uh, simple inventions in the forms of news, 
but more like analytical pieces that use a lot of elements of conspiracy theory thinking. A lot of uh, bold words as, say, genocide or New World Order or elite or other kind of keywords that are very common in the conspiracy theory thinking. So uh, these are those people. And also they are more opportunistic, fame-seeking people. For instance, we have a dancer, a person who was a dance trainer, but now he's doing videos uh, expressing his personal opinion about uh, various events in country that basically you can see that he builds his opinions based on some falsehoods that maybe he is not the author of, but he's definitely an amplifier of. And there are other individuals who have different kind of professional uh, profile. So we have a musician and a wedding host. We have also a um, piano player. Yeah, this dance uh, master. And there are many business businessmen. They used to have a business or they are having a business and then they are creating channels, garnering audience and time to time between their work as usual by basically creating and sometimes disseminating falsehoods. They also promote their products. So it's really a mix and because it's trending and because social media platforms also kind of willingly promote uh, or promote it um, more uh, in past than now, such content, um, many new faces appeared and that's maybe the rough characterization of those. So it's political, business and ego or fame seeking motivation. Something that we also know is that there's a large Russian-speaking community in Latvia. So we asked Nika, what can explain their overall lower vaccination rate? Yeah, let's listen in. So yeah, we see that Russia has produced uh, a part of this information about COVID-19 vaccines, but specifically targeting Western uh, countries and Western vaccines. And it would be an unsuccessful uh, campaign if they would target locals uh, explicitly. Of course, uh, reading the news, people in Latgale, which is the eastern part of Latvia, where uh, there is very high proportion of people speaking Russian, or they prefer a Russian media over Latvian-born uh, content. So they, of course, they read uh, very kind of articles glorifying Sputnik. So they actually expected Sputnik. We can suggest that uh, partially it worked, but only for that region, because people were reading Russian media in Russian. Uh, but uh, for other regions, the willingness to prefer Sputnik vaccine over Western vaccines wasn't that obvious. So I would say that that was more like a spin-off effect or, in our view, kind of collateral damage of um, Latgale region uh, in Latvia being exposed to Russian information space more than sometimes maybe Latvian information space that caused that idea that people were waiting for Sputnik vaccine. But we didn't see that uh, locally operating Kremlin-owned outlets, and we have two of them. We have Sputnik and we have Balt News, uh, that they would really kind of focus on the vaccine issue. The language split is relevant when we talk about 
uh, government-reaching citizens, and government was and is criticized for not being able to reach Russian-speaking audiences. First, because the official um, correspondence between Russian speaker and the government should be in Latvian, unless the Russian speaker requests it in Russian. But that's kind of the chicken and egg problem in a sense that if person doesn't think that vaccine is something that he or she needs, he would not bother to ask government to promote vaccine to him or her. Uh, therefore, yeah, in general, there was not much content, official kind of content that would promote vaccine to Russian speakers and also locally elected parliamentarians that work in uh, Latgale and this eastern region of Latvia. They also weren't really active in promoting vaccination among their fellow citizens or basically residents of their municipalities. Well, probably it was just unpopular thing to do because people were already decided that they don't need vaccine or they will wait for the Sputnik vaccine. Of course, there was a lot of negativity also around this topic. So probably locally elected parliamentarians just decided to avoid this issue. Dava, what I also thought was really interesting, and I think this is one reason uh, why even a tiny country like Latvia is important for the rest of the world is that she made a really good point about how a vaccine disinformation is linked to climate disinformation. Well, in general, I think that uh, disinformation will not go away. And uh, okay, now we are fighting with uh, COVID-19 disinformation that is primarily about vaccines. But in future, we may be basically confronted with other new Uh, topics, uh, especially about the climate change. Our human species are more close to the wildlife and we haven't adopted viruses that the wildlife has been adapted to. So these zoonic viruses are more of a threat to humanity in general. We know that climate change is happening. We know that we need to change our behavior to do that. But we also know that for many years there were lobby organizations and powers that resisted that. I already see that climate change denialism or climate change uh, disinformation in general is is there and is probably even more relevant and bigger fight we need to take up. So uh, I think COVID-19 disinformation is a very good lesson for us for what to do, what not to do. Also to be probably get less naive about our capabilities. And um, probably we also need to acknowledge that this information will not go away. You know what I also thought was really interesting about talking to Nika? Um, a lot of the press coverage that the Baltic states get are about the so-called elves, which is a very interesting team of, I'm just going to say, internet activists. But here we got to take a look at somebody who is looking at disinformation beyond the elf story. If this is the first time you hear about the Baltic elves, you can read more about them in the links we will provide in the show notes. So overall, what would you say is the most important message from, from what we heard from Nika? I think the most important thing was that we have to look at this now. We have to understand how these things are being disseminated now, who the actors are, where we can find them, because it's not going to go away. It's not getting better.
And before we leave, I just wanted to remind you that everything we talked about and links to our script will be added to our website so that you can find them if you want to take a look for yourself. We'll also add a transcript um, for those of you who prefer to read what's in the podcast than to listen. If you want to hear more stories about vaccine hesitancy, you can look up the inoculation wherever you'd like to listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter, Inoculated. You can find the link in our show notes. This investigation was supported by IG4EU. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And let us know what you think about this episode. Bye for now. Bye.